Hey guys, welcome to the show. Uh, today on the show, I have someone by the name of Karen Thaxton. I actually met Karen through a platform called Hero, which stands for Help a Reporter Out. And Karen's on the show today to kind of talk about, you know, we're probably going to talk about copywriting and landing pages, um, optimization for, you know, maybe sales pages or e-commerce. So I guess, Karen, do you want to kind of share your story and how you got started online? Sure. Thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it. Um, it was way back in 1999, was working a nine to five job, uh, had been in marketing for years and just wasn't really getting it anymore. My husband and I decided that we wanted to start a family. So I wanted something I could do from home in order to be here when the kids arrived. Well, kids never arrived. <laughs> uh, that part of the plan did not go the way that we wanted, but I birthed a business instead. And for the last uh, 2013, so 14 years, uh, have just been having a ball and bringing marketing words further and further along, adding new services as we go. We started out as a copywriting agency agency no started out as me as a freelance copywriter and grew into an agency and uh, later on added services with online consulting uh, marketing consulting uh, we can help people put products or ebooks up on Amazon we do a lot of troubleshooting with landing page campaigns where the trigger and or the landing page aren't working and we consult with agencies and other companies on how to make those work better and of course do the online copywriting as well so uh, it's it's been a lot of fun we've seen a lot of growth in different areas and a lot of changes but mm -hmm. I guess that's what keeps things interesting yeah for sure so now you, you said you started out you know just just yourself with, when you originally started this how many people are currently you know working for marketing words uh, six not including myself okay so there's so including yourself there's a total of seven, seven people right. you've got working with your yeah. so that's really cool so you basically have like a whole team of people mm-hmm I do yeah now um, what about clients like how you know in terms of growth like over the amount of um, you know years you said about 14 years you you since you started this, the actual company I mean how many how many clients do you have at this point that you've been able to build relationships with and Kind of work with over that amount of time i'm sure you you've got tons of people uh there are and some of them come in and out some of them have come and gone uh as clients will do there are i would say it'd be hard to estimate i don't think anybody's ever asked me that question before <laughs> i mean it would be hundreds over the the span of 14 years we're not yeah. currently working and doing active projects for all you know yeah, people would. There would be, but um, yeah, but it's it's been quite a few. Yeah, so I mean, you really got. I mean, what do you find is like the most common service people are looking for in terms of what you guys have to offer? What they come looking for nine times out of ten is copywriting. That's not always what they actually need. However, um, we've got a lot of folks that come in and will say my sales are suffering They're they've been dwindling for months we can't figure out what the problem is and we boiled it down to the copy must really suck and yeah. okay let me take a look and I'll get you a quote on what it would take to rewrite it and when I click over to their site 
the copy doesn't stink. <laughs> the copy's actually pretty good. So they have different issues going on that they don't know how to identify or how to correct. And that's when we added consulting services a couple of years ago, because now we can go in and troubleshoot, is this actually a problem with copy? Is this more an issue with bringing in the right traffic? Uh, before we got on the Hangout, you and I were talking about the fact that you have to put the right message in front of the right people. So sometimes the, the message isn't clear. Sometimes it's the offer. It might be the right target audience. It might be the right copy, but it's the wrong offer for them. Um, mm. Had a, a nutritional supplement manufacturer that we work with in New Zealand at one point that wanted to do banner ads with a landing page on a wellness site. The audience was there. Um, the offer was the part that wasn't in sync. Even though the copy was good, what they had done on their own for the banner ads was good. We reviewed that and said we don't have any changes to it. The landing page itself was good, but the offer um, for a U.S. audience who had never heard of this company in New Zealand was almost $200 for this special package that they wanted to introduce. Right. Right. And there was not a mom in the world that I could think of that was going to up and spend 200 bucks in this economy in the U.S. on brand new products from a brand new company that they had no exposure to before. You needed something much smaller to introduce them to you and get them familiar. And then you can upsell later on. And it's a mistake that a lot of people make. They they want it all right now. And sometimes mm. in order to get it all, you have to do it in phases. And they were, were trying to, to jump. We advised them not to make the offer that they made. They did it anyway and ended up losing money on the campaign. I don't even think they got one sale. Really? Wow. Just it was not the right offer for them. Um, something under 20 bucks probably would have made a good introductory offer in that particular situation. Um, and that's something else that that I would advise folks to pay attention to. They hear stories like this and they go, oh, my offer also needs to be under $20 and needs to be geared toward this, that and the other thing. Not necessarily. You you have to get some uh, some experience with your target audience and find out what they might want or um, what they may need before you jump off and do that. And that will take some testing. I know people hate the T word. Uh, it's tedious and, and they don't want to do the testing. They want to just go and have success right away. But the way that you get that is by doing testing and finding out what doesn't work so that you'll know what does work next time. Right, right. I mean, that's obviously really important. I know it's interesting to, to think, I mean, I'm, I'd probably think it, you know, the same way if you, if I saw like a, a weight loss product for $200, I mean, that's, that's awfully high. Even, even if you were to go to even some of the more expensive stores here in the country, you know, throughout the country, I know GNC usually in my opinion has like higher priced like supplements. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were to go to a store like that, even paying $70 would seem a little extreme for something. Well, and it's a little different if it's, um, Weight Watchers is a, a very familiar brand in the U.S. So if it was Weight Watchers a product or some other big brand that these moms had heard of for weight loss, or if it was um, trying to think of a, a big well-known brand for that's a quality brand, uh, Solar is one. 
that's high-end nutritional supplements that are of good quality. Uh, if it was something like that that was familiar to them, they mm -hmm. may be more likely to spend the money. But you had a deadly combination of products, actual products they've never heard of. These were things that were not readily available in the United States. So there's unfamiliarity there combined with a price point that in this economy is going to cause people to stand back and go, whoa, and then a company that they've never heard of before. So it was it was a triple threat. It just didn't work. Right, right. Now, I mean, is that is that pretty common that you'd find like out of out of the combination of the things you're looking at? You know, obviously in this case they had so they've got advertising out on these blogs with banners, and then they've got their landing page, and it really came down to what it seems is just the price was the biggest problem. Um. Yeah, the price and the offer. I mean, it, I would have started with something that maybe wasn't quite so unfamiliar, the product itself, um, maybe some vitamin supplements or something like that instead of things that uh, were completely unfamiliar to this audience. But that and the offer, yeah. So making it more familiar and making the price point uh, easier I mean, you, everything that you want to do with at the point that you're ha that you're doing landing page campaigns, you want it to be extremely easy for people to take advantage of that offer. Mm -hmm. With a package like they had, with products that were unfamiliar, you had to overcome the educational aspect of it first, and then you had to try to convert them into a high price point, and it just it wasn't a good combination at all. Now, what about in terms of, um, you know, like clients that might have problems with actual like copy and things like that? I mean, what would you usually end up doing? Would, have you found that you're like rewriting these landing pages or redesigning them? And like, what are some elements that you might usually find like within a within an, a sales page or a landing page that you might be looking to revise like commonly if you're, if you're finding that, you know, problems with them? Typically, it's the what we just talked about, wanting to do everything in one giant leap. And I just did a makeover for a landing page from one particular client that went from uh, less than 1% conversion rate to, it's only a week old, I haven't gotten, well we're into week two, but I haven't gotten the stats for week two, but last week it was up to 10% conversion rate. They were trying to collect way too much information on the form on the landing page for one thing mm -hmm. and they had a form that was um, I guess seven fields long something like that they wanted the first name and the last name and the email address and the company and the person's position at the company and uh, <laughs> they were trying to uh, connect with hospitals so they wanted to know how many beds the hospital had I mean it, it Forget it. They're not getting that people that don't know you aren't going to give you that much information to get a free download. This was an ebook uh, that the company was giving away free of charge, and it's just not worth it. I mean, that would have had to have been one heck of an ebook <laughs> right. to, to divulge all that information. The other thing is giving more than one call to action on a landing page, and when you leave navigation on a landing page, each one of those buttons is a call to action. It's basically saying, come up here and click me. So yeah. instead of just filling out the form and clicking the get my ebook 
link or whatever it is that you have down there, now they have other options. They can click any number of links that are left over in your navigation, which is distracting them from what you really want them to do. What we hear all the time from people is, but if they don't want the ebook, we want them to be able to contact our company. Well, then you just need to drive traffic to your homepage and not try to use a specific landing page because landing pages classically perform very poorly when the navigation for your site is left on there. Your visitors should have one of two options, download my ebook or whatever the offer may be, or get off my site. That's it. Right. Do so it, do it or leave. Should so be the they option. had in this case, they had like the regular navigation through their site. It almost mm -hmm. wasn't like a landing page at all. It was almost like a page or a blog post. Yeah, exactly. And people were traveling all over the place and doing things that they didn't want them to do. Well, how do we get clients when we use a landing page like this? If all they're going to do is download their ebook, well, that's where you start talking about creating circles with your marketing plan and not squares. You don't want somebody to run into a brick wall and stop. You want them right. to continually have touch points that go around and around. So once you design a landing page that says download this or take advantage of this offer or whatever the call to action is or leave, people take advantage. Then you set up a series of emails that are strategically written. Here's where part of your copywriting comes in for email campaigns. Um, of course, on the landing page as well. Then with your emails or even within what you've given them, the ebook or whatnot, you're creating other touch points. Go to the blog and read posts on our blog. Um, take advantage of this special offer that's just for people that have downloaded this particular ebook. Everything in there sends them someplace else. So if you send them to your blog to repost, each one of those blog posts is going to have its own call to action that would again give them another touch point. Right. If you have something within the ebook or whatever your bonus is, then that's another touch point. Take advantage of this offer. Uh, subscribe to some other list that you have. Sign right. up to view a webinar. You know, if you have automated webinars that you can have people take a look at. There's any number of ways that you can create these circles in your marketing plan so that the landing page is not just download an ebook and leave. It's the start of an entire process that leads to a continual supply of conversions. Right. More sales and mm -hmm. more, you know, engagement with those customers. Yeah. You just have to take it one step at a time. So the first step in their case was get them to fill out the form to get on the list, which would deliver their bonus, which was in this case an ebook. So that's step one. From there, they have to build the conversion funnel with emails and blog posts and whatever else they want to include in there. Now, in terms of, um, you know, actual like targeting, where are you finding a lot of these clients? I mean, obviously it would vary depending on the niche, but um, in terms of advertising, where do you find you're going most commonly? Like are a lot of these clients looking at AdWords or how are they kind of getting the targeted traffic to, you know, increase their leads or, or you know, maybe get these ebook downloads, things like that? This particular one was using AdWords, and a lot of them will. Um, there's a, a big push, depending on who the target audience is, to use other forms of PPC like Facebook ads or sponsored mm -hmm. tweets, things of that nature. Um, Pinterest 
I believe not too long ago, a couple of months ago, announced that they would also have paid pins that people could uh, advertise on a PPC platform. So things of that nature. You can do this with specifically geared organic search traffic. You can create um, Google listings or Bing or Yahoo, whatever search engine you're targeting that go to a particular landing page that can drive traffic. That way it takes more time because you're not paying for it so it doesn't appear instantaneously. You've got to wait on the search engine to rank it and blah, blah, blah. But you can do it that way. You can do it with social media. Works really well. You just create a series of social media posts that you put up that are driving traffic to a particular landing page. And you can do it that way. We've had great success with doing it with, uh, with that. And of course, you've got banner ads that you can run. Uh, webinars can be used as triggers. You can set those up on an automated schedule once you record the first one and they can drive traffic to a landing page. Um, there's all kinds of different ways, dozens of, of oh, different yeah. that can drive traffic. Yeah, I mean, I've been looking at, um, I haven't done a lot with AdWords, but I know Facebook seems to be among, you know, really popular, I feel like, among marketers that I've been kind of following and that people are able to kind of, if they tweak it the right way, they're able to get a lot of traffic very cheaply, as much as like pennies for clicks, because they mm -hmm. could optimize the ad in such a way. So I actually spent like three hours yesterday tweaking Facebook and using, um, there's a Google Chrome editor called the Power Editor, and it gives you a little mm -hmm. bit more. So I've been playing with that. I don't know if I've quite got it right yet, but um, it, it's interesting to kind of see like how you can you can target really anyone. So I, you know, like in my case, I was trying to target people that are interested in Fiverr you know, the, the mm -hmm. website for buying things for $5. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, and I'm trying to use, I guess I wanted to circle back a little bit and talk, you know, a little bit about, like, what are some platforms you're using in terms of, like, uh, creating landing pages or sales pages? I know in my case, I picked up um, a pretty popular one, Lead Pages. Mm -hmm. And I've been using that with success to kind of create my, my landing page, and it's very very straightforward where I'm just like kind of dragging and dropping and then they're giving me the templates. I don't know if there was anything in particular you might use or you've, how you're creating them and like what you're doing for your clients. No, we don't use a platform like that. Usually there's um, a designer that would do it by hand instead of using something like lead pages. Um, there's not, I don't have a problem with those. Um, Unbounce is another one that offers landing page designs that's drag and drop and, and things of that nature and they can work. The, the platform to me isn't as important as what you put on the page itself. Right. And typically there are about, I would say five or six different elements that need to be on any landing page that I can think of. Uh, I, I, yet I haven't found an exception to this, but you have to have a good headline is the first one. And testing the headline is extremely important because that's the first thing people are going to read. If the headline doesn't catch them, you can also depend on a hero shot, some sort of image that's up there, which is another element that would need to go on a landing page that pulls the eye toward the image on the page quite a bit. So 
if the headline doesn't get them, if you have a decent image, it might, but the headline is still the most important. So you've got a headline, you've got an image of some sort of hero shot. You've got your body copy. Typically, you would also want to have uh, at least a few bullet points on the page because it just makes for easier reading. Mm -hmm. In the bullet points, you're going to want to have the most important things you want this target customer to know. Um, they may scan a paragraph or two of copy. Chances are they're going to at least read the first few words of the bullet points. So you want to have those on there as well. Um, you need to have your offer, of course, explained very quickly and very clearly. And you also have to have a call to action. And most of the time on a landing page, you wouldn't have to work up to the call to action quite as much as you would if it was some other form of copy. It probably would just be button copy. You know, click here, buy now, yeah. um, get your 50% discount today or whatever you're going to have on the button copy. That's something else that people neglect that I suggest that you test extensively is your button copy. Um, if you've been doing online marketing, I think you, you told me, uh, you know, for a little while now, yep. then you are very familiar with the fact that click here doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah, Submit yeah. doesn't get it. So uh, test your button copy as well. Yeah, that's interesting. And even a, such a simple thing that, you know, people could easily neglect. I know, um, you know, I mentioned earlier, there, there's a popular marketing forum, the Warrior Forum. And it's funny, I think a lot of people are used to it, but one of the major platforms that people use to sell, they kind of have like by default these smaller buttons that are like super small sales buttons. And then one of the other major affiliate marketing um, platforms, if you're familiar with JVZoo, mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, you, you can get buttons with that and they're like really eye popping, colorful, you know, just very standout-ish. And it, to me, it's almost like a world of difference if you look at the two. The mm -hmm. other one's kind of like a native, I think, it's called WSO Pro, so WSO Warrior Special Offer, and then they made this other system that's kind of made for creating their products. But the um, the JVZoo ones are just like a world of difference in terms of like the button copy. Well, and you think of it this way: that's the the entire reason for your landing page is to get them to do what you want them to do. So that call to action needs to be obnoxiously obvious. If you put some tiny little button that's gray on the page and you make people look for it, chances are they won't. There are too many other things out there these days that can fulfill their needs and their wants. And if you make it difficult for them, they're going to leave and go someplace else. Um, pay attention when you're online. Everybody has the same basic behaviors when you get online. Now, men can function differently in one extreme and women can in another extreme, but the basic behavior is the same. So as you go online and start searching around, as you interact with different landing pages, pay attention to what you're doing. What makes you frustrated? What did you find was really appealing or attractive on a particular landing page? And you can create your own little swipe file, um, which is what copywriters use quite a bit. And it's not a file that you would take from verbatim because that would be copyright infringement and it's illegal, mm. but it can inspire ideas. You know, I really, this shade of green really caught my attention. 
this image did so much better than another landing page I went to. So I want to position my image the same way or, you know, maybe use the same shape or something to that effect, you know, but it can give you ideas based on what you thought worked and didn't work when you were looking at all these landing pages that you visit in the course of a day. Yeah, I mean, it is really interesting. I know I was watching a video, I think, yesterday where they talked about, you know, this is like using a very landing, very basic landing page for kind of just getting an email opt-in where it's basically a little like square box in the center with a, you know, kind of a an eye-grabbing headline or tagline of some kind, maybe a sentence to just kind of encourage people to put in their email. And then the image in the background, you know, a lot of people might use something very generic, but in this case they had like, it was an image of a woman sitting on the beach looking to the right and they talked about how her eyes are looking right at the email opt-in mm -hmm. and like how it psychologically will like when people are looking at the at the whole page in total they're seeing like the eyes looking right at the right at the you know right at the place where they want you to take action and it's right. like these little things that you know I wouldn't even have thought about it unless I watched the video I saw the image and like kind of connecting the two how like psychologically it's supposed to kind of get people to take action and encourage people to put in their, you know, put in their email address. Yep. And all those little things, uh, you don't have to be some master at psychological marketing or whatnot to make a landing page work. All those little things are icing on the cake or sprinkles on your ice cream. Uh, they can help a little bit. None of this is going to operate in a vacuum. I mean, it's a package deal, especially when you're talking about landing pages, you have to have the right audience. You have to have the right offer your page has to be set up correctly. The copy has to be good. The call to action has to be good. Your image has to be dead on. So when you get all of this going, people say, well, I tested 47 buttons and none of them made any difference. Well, if your offer stinks, that's yeah. why. Button copy is not going to make your offer better. So they're all working in combination. It's like baking a cake. You know, you could take out the salt, you could take out one of the eggs and you'd still have cake. It wouldn't be as good, but it'd still be cake. Yeah. All of these have to work in combination. And then if you go back in and you add, you know, a little drizzle of vanilla in your cake, well, <laughs> that made a positive difference. Okay. Now we put some icing on top that made a big difference. So all of these things working together, you make the little tweaks and it is so, so, so important to track and test. Google analytics may not have numbers that are dead on. Um, I think, all of the numbers that Google uses are extremely inflated from the old keyword tool down to Google Analytics, but it is free and it's better than nothing. And you can show trends that way, even if the numbers aren't specific, you know that on this month you were way up here and then on this month you plummeted, something changed, you know, yep. so go in and, and have a look. But I, that's another thing that we run into with clients that say, I, I don't know what's going on. Well, can you set us up with guest access to you, Google Analytics or your track, whatever tracking program? Are you? Well, we're not using any analytics. Okay. Step one, <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to know if you're doing better or worse unless you have a way to prove it. Yeah. So get something. If you don't like Google, if you think they're looking into your business and their big brother and you hate them, then go find something else like get clicky or whatever. Yeah. And put that in. But you have to have a way to quantify your success or I, I hate to say failure. I'll say learning experience because mm. 
even when it doesn't go well, it's helpful because now you know what not to do. So, but it's, it's, you have to have a way to track it. Right. Right. I mean, it makes sense. I know that that's one of the, like the most critical things. I think, um, I was talking to someone recently who, I don't know if he even had it. He, he runs like a web hosting business and, um, you know, he's more obviously like that's his, that's his main focus. He's not really focusing on marketing and he's kind of a one man operation and he didn't really have much of this stuff set up with analytics. Like he found he had analytics installed, but like the, the code wasn't even in the right place. So it's like, he's not even <laughs> looking at the, you know, the data at all. And I'm like, well, this is like, you know, you got to see, you know, and he told me he, he spent all this money getting like 10 different landing pages created and, you know, and then he's not, <laughs> I just thought it was so funny, you know, cause there's, you got to really look at everything, the whole picture to, to, yeah. you know, analyze your results. Yeah. And that's a shame. He has 10 different landing pages created and has no idea which one was working. Yeah. I mean, I think to an extent, I don't know if he was, I don't know if he was doing tracking. I mean, I've actually, I'm, he, he's kind of a personal friend, so I'm, I'm, he's, he's hoping to kind of maybe even take me on as someone to help him. Like he's talking, if I can get him X number of leads, he might pay me a percentage of how many of those, you know, like let's say he gets 30 leads and one turns into a sale for his business. Um, it's residual income because they're, it's web hosting yeah. and it's, it's expensive web hosting. So he might look at it as like, I'll give you a percentage of every customer you bring in or every percentage of leads that come in and, you know, sure. more, more people he can work with. So that's kind of, or, you know, I found, I think it was too, that he had, um, you know, something so basic that he, that he wasn't doing was with Google search, you could do like, um, local search. So when you're typing in a business, it's actually going to display like your address, which right. those, those listings, you know, really pop out compared to, you know, just regular entries, like regular businesses that might be in that, in that listing under search. So mm -hmm. it's like these super simple things that could really boost him up and get him more leads and more visitors to his, his site. Yeah. And sometimes it's the obvious things just seem to escape us. Um, but you do have to, it helps me with, with not only our marketing plan, but with what we help clients with as well to actually keep a journal of sorts, even if it's just a bullet list in a notebook on paper, to write down what you're doing and create an image that goes along with the, the circles or some people call it a marketing funnel. I don't, I don't like it to go this way. I yeah. like it to continually have touch points. So, but if you see that on paper, that sometimes will, you still there? Responder series. Yes. Okay. You broke up a little bit for a minute there. Did it freeze up? Yeah. So once we get through the landing page and they're on the list and they've gotten the bonus, then you start a series of emails that can go to them. If you're writing all of this down and you can take a look at it in chart form, you know, even if you're just sketching it, then it can give you a lot more ideas. You know, we mentioned this in email one, we mentioned that in email two. Oh man, I completely forgot about so-and-so, you know, so, okay, over here, you either add to an email or you create a new email. Maybe you can have separate landing pages for each of your emails that you create. You know, each one of those may introduce them to something else that has to do with your product or your service. So you can create a separate landing page for each one. 
programs like AWeber or Constant Contact have awesome abilities for personalization and yep. for segmenting. So you can break things out really easily. Um, the only thing I'm, I don't think they have at this point is to be able to break out those segments who's opened, who hasn't, who clicked here, who didn't click there automatically. I wish that, right. that maybe I'll have to make that suggestion to them that they would have something to where once like you get out an email, yeah, the ones that didn't click, you already had in place. Um, and I can see how it would be difficult to do that, but it would be cool that if you already had uh, another email in place for the ones that didn't open, then maybe once a week or so, they could send it to that segment. Um, I know the segment would change all the time depending on how many people came in through your funnel, but still uh, always helpful to me to see things visually so then I can go through and go, oh, forgot about this, or why don't we try this instead of that? Always testing, always yeah. testing. So I wanted to ask a little bit too, I don't know how, I, I think we've been talking about a half hour, so I figure we still have some time, but um, you know, you had mentioned helping a lot of these e-commerce stores and websites. So I wanted to kind of hear like, what what would be like the angle on some of these stores? I know like in my case, um, I'm helping my girlfriend build build out a store and we're kind of focusing on Pinterest as like a, a source of traffic because, mm -hmm. you know, she could put out a pin and, you know, this would be something that we're selling on the site. And then obviously she could, you know, if she gets enough repins and things like that, that might bring some traffic and referrals back to the site. But, um, in terms of like, you know, just bringing people to these sites, like I haven't really looked at much beyond maybe doing SEO or trying to focus on social media, you know, when it comes to maybe like landing pages or sales pages, where do you find like e-commerce based stores are really, um, you know, needing the most help? Right now, e-commerce based stores are needing a lot of help with SEO. Um, there are things that get in the way with e-commerce a lot of duplicate content uh, stores that use manufacturer-provided product descriptions exclusively mm -hmm. can tend to get into trouble for duplicate content, uh, cross-domain duplicate content, meaning you're, you've got the exact same page for this blue widget as 487,000 other stores because they're all using the same copy that the manufacturer provided. So original content is very... Uh, very important for an e-com. The navigational structure of the site is very important. And it all, if you're, if you're planning at all to do SEO for e-com, you need to do it right from the very beginning. While keywords are not as important, let me step back, exact match key phrases are not as important as they used to be because of uh, Hummingbird, primarily Google's new algorithm, entirely new algorithm that they've released uh, probably a couple of months ago now because yep. it ran for a little while before they announced it. But in addition to that, you've got everything that came up with Panda, everything that came up with Penguin. So you've got to be able to get all of this into the basis of the website. And depending on the CMS, the content management system, that the e-com site is using, you may or may not have some issues with developing uh, file names and page names and category names and, and breadcrumb trails if your CMS allows for that, that can help you 
with search results. The good news is because exact match key phrases are not nearly as important as they were years ago, uh, you've got a lot more flexibility when you're doing that. So you don't have to try to make a page name or a category name that's the same as a, a five or six word long tail key phrase. Right. Right. Um, a lot of e-coms lately have been complaining about very gradually losing traffic and you can go into Google Analytics if you pull up, you know, maybe an entire year and you can just see the slide that has happened oh so slowly. And I think that has a lot to do with the compound effect of all these these updates that Google has had over the years because e-coms were famous for using over-optimized manufacturer provided content. So now you're getting over-optimization penalties, you're getting dinged for, for cross-domain duplicate content, and some of these sites were thrown together so quickly that the navigation is just obnoxious. I mean, it just, it, it is not intuitive for SEO whatsoever. So right. a lot of them are, are having a fit right now because it's been a year maybe not quite a year, um, and most of them are, are starting to feel the pinch from this gradual slide of traffic and they don't know what to do about it. Yeah. You're smart to include social media though because that has become a very important search signal as well. Um, two of the things that I always get them started with right away before we ever investigate any content issues are having a blog that they post to at least once a week and having an active social media presence. And you don't have to do them all. If Pinterest works best for your girlfriend, yeah. it's more on Pinterest, you know, maybe Twitter, depending on the target audience that these days it seems to be younger. Uh, a lot of younger folks are, are leaning toward Twitter, but it changes. They used to all be on Facebook and they used to all be on MySpace before that. So, you know, <laughs> And the same with, with you know, middle-aged people and with senior citizens. They, they tend to migrate to these different things. So um, pick two or three that you can focus on with some good intensity at first. And then if you want to spread out after that for some other ones, that's fine too. Uh, if you want to get good Google rankings, you really need to be on Google+. Um, and the, the two just merge together. So once you get your authorship set up, on Google Plus, that's also going to help um, the visibility of your search snippet. It, not necessarily your rankings, it, it can help that also, but because you get your image beside your listing, that just draws the eye to your snippet on the Google search results page. So that in and of itself is worth setting up authorship for in a yeah. Google profile. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, the authorship I know really helps, you know, uh, your your page links stand out on search. Yep. I know I've been able to get a few of my results to, you know, that's how I've set up everything with mine and it really does help. Yeah, I think it does too. Yeah, my thing is, I know with her site, what I really did was um, I've got WordPress as the CMS, so mm -hmm. that made things really simple. And then I'm using a premium e-commerce based theme, which mm -hmm. is really great. Everything's very eye popping, you know, when you look at the images and very clear to browse through and um, the layout's great, but um, the the thing that I've been wondering is if we, you know, I've been kind of keeping her in it while I do my own stuff, so I've got obviously my show, and I didn't want to dive all my time into that, but I kind of put her on task of, you know, just add products to the site and then focus on Pinterest and 
you know, keep that as like a main thing. Don't try to do Facebook, Google, and Twitter and Pinterest all at once, and then maybe move into them gradually, you know, over time because her time is pretty limited in where she spends on the site. But, um, well, you know, you can use something like Hootsuite or uh, another true. program to auto post. So even if you do that in the beginning, you want to focus on Facebook and Pinterest or you know whichever you want to do. You can go ahead and set up a Hootsuite account and have it auto post to your others. Uh, that's not ideal to only have auto posting there, but at least it would allow you to have some sort of active presence. In all the yeah. Yeah, on the different social media. Have you looked into any type of microdata or schema for the product pages? Um, I know, like Schema Org, obviously you can you can even get like some WordPress plugins and things. I mm -hmm. mean, the thing with her site, like even what I was able to do was get. Um, there's a lot of popular Amazon plugins, so the site is completely Amazon based. We don't actually own any of the any of the product. Mm -hmm. It's all affiliate through Amazon, which right. is great because. I mean, obviously, we can find popular products. We could be limited in some ways, obviously, if we're looking to get products that aren't on Amazon. But um, it makes things very simple. Uh, she's expressed an interest in actually starting to carry inventory, and I even had someone you know, email me last week and say, hey, we have these products. They would fit really well with your niche. Can we send you a sample? <laughs> and it's, I'm kind of laughing because we don't have any inventory. Right. And... Uh, you know, I, I figured for, for her site, it would be great because, you know, it would give her something to do and then encourage her more than just kind of sitting behind the computer at Pinterest. If she actually had inventory and was shipping things, you know, if, if it got big enough, she might be able to quit her own job and then do that full time. And she would really enjoy the management of those things and buying products wholesale right. and things like that. So exactly. um, I, what I recently that we consult with our e-commerce sites on too is getting their products listed on Amazon. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I would caution you about is putting all your eggs in one basket. Mm. If you're only dealing with Amazon and everything is dependent on Amazon and Amazon pulls a North Carolina or a Colorado move on you, where they didn't agree with the, the tax laws that they changed in those states and in several others, you could be shut out and literally have your business taken away overnight. Oh, is the affiliate program not available in those states? Not available in those states. It was one day. North Carolina changed some laws. Colorado changed some laws. And literally three days later, everybody that had an Amazon-based business like you're talking about had yep. it taken away. Wow. Yeah, they were shut down overnight. Amazon wow. said, we won't have affiliates in those states because we don't want to comply with those laws. So mm. absolutely, it's a good platform. But I'll tell you about Amazon sales, the same thing I tell people about SEO. It should be a part of your plan. It should not be your entire plan. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good to know. I didn't realize that. And it's kind of like my focus was I follow a few of these people that are having a lot of success. Some people I know there was a fellow that he started a website based around the adjustable dumbbells that you could buy, you know, very popular with some of the home fitness programs, things like that. And um, he was able to optimize his site and he had this really elaborate, you know, thousand word front page article that was ranking for really um, high, high volume keywords like adjustable dumbbells, things like that. Right. And his, he had an exact match domain and he was able to pull in around, I think, by the time he sold it, he was making about $700 a month in affiliate sales from Amazon. Good deal. 
and he he turned around and used a site called Flippa, if you're familiar with Flippa, and he sold the site for $10,000 in less than a year. So it was like mind blowing to see what you could do with, you know, he does, he's never even stocked the product and he's sitting there selling, you know, and it's only affiliate commission. I think it, I don't know at most, I want to say it's like 8% if that, that you can Mm -hmm. make at the most from the affiliate sale. But the the winner for him was that it's a, such a high ticket item. It's like a three hundred and three hundred dollar plus item that he's selling. Right. Among the other dumbbells, they're all averaging in that price. So that's where he's. You know, I I think we made our first sale on our site, and it was only like a ten dollar purse. So I'm only making a matter of a few cents. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but hey, you have to start somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. And you keep growing. So that's. That's the way to do it. And Amazon is a great introduction to affiliate marketing sites like that. Or like you said, uh, you know, adding your own physical products later and either doing a, an FBA, a fulfillment by Amazon type of situation, or you could uh, fulfill them yourselves, fulfill the products and the orders yourselves. Uh, either way, they've got two different options that, that you can do that on Amazon. But I wouldn't hang every hope you have on Amazon. That's putting somebody else in control of your business. Exactly. You never want to be that vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the way that it's set up, everything is back through the WooCommerce based mm-hmm. plugin. So, I mean, I could easily like start adding physical products and then it would just kind of come into the mix of um, the way it's set up is when people go to checkout, it brings them right in Amazon with mm-hmm. the plugin that I have. It's very seamless, but kind of integrating the two, making sure that if people are going to like create an account and try to order things that they're not conflicting with the stuff that would come through Amazon versus the stuff that we might have on the site itself. Right. And are you talking about Amazon checkout? Um, well, what, yeah. So what it is is I bought a plugin. It's called pro associate. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty new. So what it does is it just integrates into WordPress and it allows you to search Amazon directly inside of your, inside of your backend dashboard through WordPress. Mm-hmm. And it will find the products in their, you know, in their UI, and then you can simply just add them, and it will import all of the data, the pictures, the information, and the reviews, and kind of like seamlessly put it into the site. So it's really interesting because it, it, you know, she was able to add something like 700 products with a, a you know, maybe like five hours of work. Yeah. Yep. Amazon also has. Um, I don't know that Amazon Checkout is the official name, but they also have the option where you can use them as your shopping cart and your payment gateway. Right. So you would have whatever products you wanted. They didn't have to be Amazon products. They could be products you bought on clearance sale at Kmart and you're going to resell on your website or what have you. And then uh, you're just basically using Amazon as your shopping cart and merchant account. Right. So when you're sending people to, to check out, they're doing it through Amazon and then Amazon sends you a check. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool too. I mean, there's so many ways to do it. I know even like you can get into like the Shopify and things like that and mm-hmm. all these other avenues. But um, yeah, I think we've touched upon a lot. I, I figure um, we could probably wrap things up. Um, I don't know if there was anything else you wanted to share about your business or what, you know, what it is that you offer in marketing words for anyone that's listening. Just, um, I'll mention a couple of things based on what we've talked about. We do offer consulting sessions uh, that are just general chat. If you don't have a plan, like you're talking about doing things with your girlfriend's site or whatever, yeah. um, they are as you know as few as 30 minutes. You can go to marketingwords.com forward slash consulting. 
and the you know what we do what we can help with and the rates are on the page there if somebody just wants somebody to brainstorm with or to to work some ideas through no long-term contracts this is not like coaching you know where you have to do six months or whatever so that may be helpful um, for those that are looking to get up to date on the latest keyword optimization practices since Penguin Panda Hummingbird, I have a mini video course called Writing with Keywords, and it's just writingwithkeywords.com. And that is, um, I think it's four modules, and one of them has two videos. So it's five videos, literally in under, you know, if you went straight through probably two and a half, three hours, you're up and going. Again, not extensive. That's not my style. I try to keep things very laser focused, you know, tell you what you need to know so you can get off and, and going. But writing with keywords may be something that's very helpful. If people need help actually with copy and learning how to do that themselves, writing website copy um, for whatever it may be, then copywritingcourse.com is probably where they're going to want to go. And of course, you can see below my name. Love to have you over at the blog, marketingwords.com forward slash blog. And there is uh, an opportunity for you to sign up for the Marketing Words newsletter when you get there. And there's a free bonus that's listed as well. So cool. Um, I thank you again, John. It's been interesting. Yeah, no problem. I'll I'll put links in the show notes to um, you know your sites and your blog as well for people to check that out. That'd be but, great. Uh, you know, thanks for taking the time out of your morning to join me. Absolutely. I hope you have a great week. Yep. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for checking out today's episode with Karen Thaxton. Uh, I was glad to do this interview because Karen, someone that uh, is very, very good with copywriting. And I have not had anybody on the show as of yet to discuss copywriting, so I was pretty pumped about this. I also found Karen through Harrow, which I know I've mentioned in previous episodes. Uh, if you want to check out Harrow, you can head over to helpareporter.com. Um, if you haven't yet, please sign up for the mailing list over on voicesofmarketing.com. It's right at the top, right on the website, right when you land on the homepage. And if... Um, if you'd like to check out today's episode, you can head over to voicesofmarketing.com slash episode 44. Thanks.